with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. so much for joining the Best in God podcast. Again, I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth. So good to see you all. Come on, let's get started. Get over to Luke 10. Make sure you hit share and notify. <coughs> get over to Luke 10. And we're talking about tonight, as you can see in the heading, no one knows my name. Come on, get over to Luke 10, Luke 10, Luke 10, share and notify. I'm in the NIV version where it says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you. Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and from the learned and revealed them and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things, verse 22 says, have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the son is except the father. And no one knows who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses, to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Now for those God has chosen to reveal Jesus to through revelation, who the son chooses, they know him. They know him, but there are those who do not know his name. Verse 23, it says, then he turned to his disciples and he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see, that see what you see. Verse 24 says, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see. There are many and higher ranking positions than you in this world and many at many different levels above you. They want to see what you see, but they can't see it. They want to hear what you hear, but they can not hear it. Why? Because God says here in the scriptures that it has been hidden from the wise and the learned. It's been hidden. He has hidden Christ to, to the wise of the world, to the learned of the world, to the learned of rituals, to the learned of religious practices. He has hidden himself. He has hidden himself. Listen, there are, there are phases that we feel like we might be in or people that we might encounter that we would assume that would know him, but yet they may be amongst the wise and the learned and they may not know his name. Stick with me because I'm going somewhere. Let's go over to Matthew 16 real quick. I just want to paint a picture for you and give you an example so that you fully can grasp this and see this. I'm just going to paint it in stroke by stroke. Matthew 16, 13 to 17 and the NIV version, it says in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, uh, who do people say that the son of man is? And then verse 14, they replied, some say, He's John the Baptist. Some say he's Elijah. Others say that he's Jeremiah or perhaps one of the prophets. Now, understand something here. Let's, let's, let's break this down real quick. When you think about John the Baptist, we're talking about a theolog theolog theologically significant 
figure in the kingdom of God. We're talking about his birth pretty much marked uh, was marked by angelic proclamation and divine intervention, much like Jesus's birth. So you can kind of understand why they would, why, you know, people might look at Jesus and say, well, maybe he's the second coming of John the Baptist. Um, his birth, John the Baptist's birth, also paralleled with um, the birth of Isaac and Abraham, Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's son. Um, he was a pivotal figure in salvation's history. Um, so you can, again, we're starting to see why some thought that Jesus was John the Baptist. Case of mistaken identity, but nonetheless, they were kind of on the right track, but not so. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to show you some things. And then we talk about, when you think about John the Baptist and his public ministry, it was, it, it really, it ended 400 years of prophetic silence. Nothing was being said. Nothing was being done. And then here comes John the Baptist, that voice crying in the wilderness saying, make way. Jesus is coming. Make way for the Lord. Make way. Something greater, someone greater than me is coming. But yet no one no one thought to when they identified John the Baptist to Jesus to go, wait a minute. He did say one greater than him was coming. Instead, they labeled him as, you know, some, some, you know, maybe he's along that lines. Maybe he's with, with John the Baptist. He, John the Baptist also was that link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Again, do you see why some might think that Jesus was John the Baptist? And then when he asked his disciples, who did a man say that he was? Some said that Jesus was Elijah. And you can understand kind of when you look at Elijah's, uh, the, the references to Elijah in the scripture, you know, Elijah came, he was condemning sinful leaders. He was foretelling the, of the punishments that would the people would encounter if they continue to be in disobedient to God. He performed many miracles. He challenged what people believed. He challenged them literally by how about the prophets of Baal. He challenged literally to say, okay, well then if you think that your, your God is greater than my God, then let's go. Let's have a demonstration, much like Jesus, so we can understand why they might have thought that Elijah was Jesus. But again, we're talking about a unique man, a savior. We're talking about God in the flesh, in the earth realm, here to die for our sins. There's no one like him, but yet some thought he was John the Baptist. Some thought he was Elijah. Some even thought he was Jeremiah. The uh, prop, the disciples identified. Some even thought that he was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was very demonstrative. Jeremiah was like the example of what was going to happen. For example, um, when he preached, he preached a lot of, you know, this is what this is what we're going to be facing because of your disobedience. At one point, he even put a yoke on his neck and went about urging the nations to submit to the yoke of Babylon because that's where they were going. So he showed everything that he prophesied. He even demonstrated it to the people so that they could understand this is where you're going because you refuse to, to hear what the word of God is saying. You refuse to change. You refuse to grow. So we understand how Jesus's message could get mixed in with that of Jeremiah. We understand that. But it was a case, it, it's a thing where Jesus sought to show them God. He sought, to, he sought to, to fulfill the plan of God, his father. He did not choose to adopt a different um, persona because uh, he understood that with that persona, there was a plan. I can't be Jeremiah. I can't be Elijah. I can't come and walk as John the Baptist because with them, those personalities, there was also an associated plan. And I have to fulfill. Feel. Come on, over and over again in the scriptures, we see Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. I must fulfill the will of my father. He was focused on his purpose and the plan that God had created him to fulfill in the earth realm. 
So something to note here, while all of these referred to have varying traits that are associated with Jesus Christ, they were all in the past, uh, except John the Baptist. They were all in the past. They are persons of reference to the power of a living God, of a living God, but not God in the flesh himself. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Now, this is something that we see a lot of today. That is a reference of and to past personas. Most reference this as a mantle. Um, I have the mantle of this one, <clears throat> or I have the mantle of that one where one should be walking in the plan and persona that God has birthed them in and has for their life. Instead, it's easier to attempt to, um, to mimic a previous mantle or a previous persona or a previous plan that God has used in the past. But you have to ask yourself this question. If God still had need, of that past persona, then why did he birth you? Why did he birth you if he still had need of that past persona that has since gone on to be with him in heaven? And if you're birthed for a specific plan and purpose, what happens? Exactly. What happens to that plan if you ignore it? That plan, what happens to it? What happens to the persona that God birthed you in if you choose another? If that one wasn't good enough for you, if that plan wasn't good enough for you. See, we have to be clear. That is not to say that God cannot grace us to fill in a gap. Because if you decide that you don't want to be who God called you to be, right? And then God gets someone to stand in that gap and I'm going somewhere and he gives someone to stand in that gap. Now you suddenly wake up and you suddenly decide that you do want to walk in that plan. What happens to that thing that he sent a, a grace someone else to be able to walk in? Can you come and get it back? Can you come and take it back? I, I think that I think that if you if you're not increasing it in the time that the master has put in your hand in his plan for you to increase that thing. But the other person that he trusted with that, that he put on them on top of the plan that he had for their life, he put a piece of what he had for you onto their life and they multiplied it. Do you think he's going to take it back, all of it back and give it all to you? Do you, do you think that you can avoid the suffering that goes with the plan that he has for your life and someone else can suffer that thing for you and even multiply and just hand it back over to you? Is that, is that what we're thinking? Is that what we're feeling like how this might work? Because it's, it's, it's actually not so much so. Not so much so. See, because when God birthed us with a plan and with a purpose for our lives, he knew exactly the decisions that we were going to make to fulfill that plan or walk away from that plan. And so he's already, he's already allotted for that. And he might have something else for you, but it might not be that. It might not be that. So to understand where I'm going with this, let's think about here, Matthew 25. Remember the story of the talents? Go read that on your own time. But let me just give you a brief summary of it. It's a parable of the talents. Whether, whether now understand something, whether you're an apostle, whether you're a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher, this scripture, or whether you're a person that's just operating in one of the many gifts that Jesus gave when he uh, ascended. This applies to us 
all because we all have a choice as to whether or not we want to walk in what God has designed for our lives. We all have a choice whether or not we're going to study this, prove that thing. We all have a choice if we're going to walk worthy of that particular vocation wherein we were called. Now, in that parable, each person was entrusted by the master with certain talents. Some invested those talents and doubled those talents to present to the master while one decided to bury it and present the very same talent and give that back to the master simply because of fear. And he was referred to as wicked and lazy wicked and lazy. Come on, we're talking about no one knows my name. So this particular this particular uh, person that the master entrusted, he trusted three people, he gave them talents, but one person came back with the exact same talent and he called that person wicked and lazy. Now let's pause here because as a listener, you might be saying to yourself right now, I have recognized what I have in my hands. I know what God has given me. I have studied it, I have proved it, and I'm walking in it. So I'm neither wicked nor am I lazy. But here's what God wants you to know. He wants you to know that if you're not walking in it as he has designed it, for you to walk in, you are walking in fear. You have not studied the truth of his word. So you're not walking worthy of the vocation wherein you were called. Instead, you're walking in the vocation whereas you have chosen it. You're walking in what you have chose to walk in. So now we have a case of mistaken identity. Because I don't like, I don't like this or that about my persona. I don't like the fact as a prophetess, I'm black or white. I can never see gray. I want to see gray. I need, I need a pastor's heart because I need to be compassionate. So I'm, I'm going to throw aside the prophetess part and I'm going to go gung-ho into apostle, into, into pastor. Oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't like to pastors. They get so mistreated and you know, because they have such a kind heart and they're so giving and loving and they always can see the good in everyone. They're always trying to help everyone. I think I'm going to be an apostle. See, because then that way I can go build. I can go build wherever and I can walk away. I don't have to. I can position everyone and I can teach them and they can take it from there. And I don't have to sit in the day in and day out. And that works better for me because it's more convenient for me because I like to travel. And of course, it's about what I want. You see where I'm going? So we have a mistaken identity, one that I've taken on as my very own. But God is looking at you. That is not the vocation that I called. That is not the vocation that aligns with the plan I have for your life. So you are not walking worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. You are walking worthy of the vocation wherein you chose, wherein you chose. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 15 and 4, in the Amplified Version, it says, for whatever was written at earlier times was written for our instruction so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope and overflow with confidence of his promises. See, and this is where, this is where the enemy tricks us up. He starts messing with our hope. He starts messing with our confidence and who God has called us in. And then he, he tricks us and subtly subverts the truth and he gets us to accept another identity. While that identity is based on the truth of God's word, it's not based on the truth of who God called us to be. Jesus knew who he was called to be. When folks said that, he, I think he might be Jeremiah. I think he might be John the Baptist. Well, what about, well, what about, um, what about, you know, David? What about Isaiah? He could be, he could be, maybe he's that. He could have very easily said, I am the second coming of Elijah. That's who I am. Yup. Because guess why? Because it's already in the scriptures, the pattern is already there for us to follow. And it's easier for us to follow a pattern that we can see how it plays out rather than one that we don't know how this is going to work out. 
See, it's easy. It would be easier for Jesus to say, yep, I'm John the Baptist. He's in prison. Nobody knows. I'm second coming to John the Baptist. That's me. That's me. I can walk that out because I already know. I already know how to do that. The word of God tells me to do that. Many of us today, we can say, oh, I'm, I'm a Joseph. And we can walk that out because the scriptures show us how that was done. But it didn't take any effort on your part because what you're walking in, you're, it's already known. It takes, it takes hope. It takes faith. It takes trust that the promises of God are going to manifest in your life to walk in what God called you in because you can't see the outcome. You can't see what's on the other side of that door of accepting that wall. See, the scripture tells us of callings of those before us, what they had to suffer, what they had to endure, so that it could be our example, so that we would know how to, how to handle certain situations. It's for our example. It is not for me to take on the Joseph mantle and then handle every issue that comes up the way I see he handled it because that's easier than me going through my own process through the plan that God has for me. See, as we read the word and we learn of the sufferings, it is only fair to admit that we can identify with some of those sufferings at some point in time. It even stands to reason that others might associate with those persons just like they did with Jesus, associated Jesus to Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Elijah. It's standard, but Jesus was unique and divinely the Lord Jesus Christ. So had Jesus decided, I'm going to go, I'm going to milk this Elijah thing. That seems a lot simpler, a little easier. I'm going to Elijah route. Or, you know, Jeremiah, you know, all I got to do is cry and, and put yokes on my neck, but I can still walk this thing out. I think I'm going to go to Jeremiah route. Then I don't have to die on the cross. Then I don't have to worry about descending and wondering, am I going to ascend? I don't have to ever be without the Father. I'm going to take an optional route, an optional route. See, the way the enemy seduces us away from the plan of God for our lives is just by simple, simple substitution. Just by substitution. Take their name out, put your name in, just follow their life. Do what they did and you'll get what they got. Just, just follow that out. Don't, don't worry about the separate plan that God has for you. Don't worry about that. You just follow this right here because that's simple. That's out there already. All you have to do is do what they do. You know, it's, it's a simple substitution. It's no different than uh, I give you a dollar, you give me four quarters. It's a simple exchange, simple substitution, but it's still a dollar but it's still a dollar. You know, you put you in the place of Elijah. Yes, because you have like suffer sufferings, you have like personas. So every battle or moment of confrontation that Elijah had, you attempt to align your life and your experiences. Even if it doesn't happen to you like that, you want to be Elijah, so you're going to take on the Elijah mantle and you're going to suffer like he suffered and you're going to deal with it the way he deal with it and you're going to confront things the way he confronted. But then what, again, happens to the plan that God has for you since you've taken on a completely different identity? taking on another identity, someone completely different that God has not, um, not only has God not planned for you to be, but also that he no longer needs. He doesn't need Elijah. Elijah would be here if he did. Doesn't need John the Baptist today. John the Baptist would be here if he did. He didn't need, he didn't need uh, Jeremiah when Jesus came. Or Jeremiah would have been there when Jesus came. He needed Jesus to walk the path that he had for Jesus to walk so that we could be saved, so that we could be delivered, so that we could be delivered. So let me let me just take it another step further, and I'll give you um, another example. When we're talking about the talents and multiplying the talents, we, we have to understand that when you're Thinking of multiplying the talents, as the scripture said, one came, he gave him five, he came back with five. One came, I think he gave him three or two, and he came back with the exact same amount. And the one that buried his, he didn't do anything. He didn't invest it. For them to invest 
their talents. That would mean that they had to learn something. They had to, they had to learn how something worked in order to ensure that they were going to get back some type of, uh, some type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Something in their hand for the investment that they put out. And they studied that thing. And then they went and they invested that money and they bought back double. So let me give you an example of that in real time. So so um, my husband and I, we are a type of Priscilla and Aquila. So while we might be a type of Priscilla and Aquila, I don't know the details of Priscilla and Aquila's life, except the fact that they served Paul and that they had a church in their home. But I don't know their other gifts and talent. One might say that maybe they had some administrative uh, gifts because they had the church in their home. Maybe they had some of the talents, you know, as far as you, they could have had musical talents to be able to sing and, you know, and sing worship songs during the service in their home. One might say they even had the gift of teaching to be able to teach the others that came to their home for ministry about God and what God requires and how to live a godly life. One might say that as well. If we look at it and break it down in even simpler terms, for instance, when it comes to me, so God gave me a voice. God gave me the ability to write and comprehend how to write in different ways. So I can write a book, that a Christian book, or I can write a dissertation. My mentor wouldn't agree with that right now, but I can write a dissertation or I can write, you know, or I write a song, right? So think about it like this. So I have, I had to write this down because it was like getting crisscrossy. So I have a voice so I can hold a note. I have ability to write. So I have two talents. So, okay, two talents. Like many of you, uh, we have many talents, but let's focus on just the two. You have many things in your hand. I've got two talents we're going to talk about right now, right? So you have um, you have some may be more prominent than others because you just haven't perfected those yet. Just like me, we have other talents. So um, let's see. So going down to my notes. So for the voice, for the voice, to perfect the voice, the one voice, the one talent that God gave me, I got vocal coaching that to enhance not only the ability to sing, but the ability to speak. So the one voice, I come back now, it can sing and now it can teach. Now, it can, I'm sorry, now it can speak. Now it can speak. So I study with my coach, with my vocal coach to prove these talents. I study with my, um, I said, okay, to enhance what I have. And this turns the one talent of voice into a weapon against demonic forces. And it turns it into a tool to win souls. So the one talent of the voice is now three, is now three. So let's talk about the talent of writing. So I have the talent of writing. So I have a writing coach and the writing coach they taught me, they teach me how to write. They help me to perfect when I write lyrics, when I write songs. And they also um, teach me, help me with melody for songs. Um, then I write books based on my Christian faith. So I, I also write the teachings like I'm talking about right now. So I have had, I have the one gift of the voice that God gave me that I've multiplied into a singer and a speaker. So now it's three talents. I have the one gift of writing that God has given me. And I've turned that into being able to write messages, write my podcast and to write lyrics and to write books. So now two talents have now turned to eight. It has now turned to eight. So this is us recognizing what is in our hands, studying to prove it or perfect it or to understand it or to know how to use it. So the Bible says it like this in 2 Timothy 2.15, we study to show ourselves approved, a workman, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. So I don't have to be ashamed when I put a book out or when I write a song or when I write a message because I have studied how to do so. I've studied how to rightly divide the truth. So study here is not just a word that God gives uh, as associated with truth, but it also solidifies your identity and it gives you a boldness 
in that same truth that you have studied. And we study the gifts that God has given us in the same light and in the same truth, just as a workman would study his craft just as a workman would study his skill so that we don't have to be ashamed. We perfect it. Do you understand? Even if you don't say I do, because maturity will catch up with the wisdom as you begin to walk it out. Our job is not, you see what I mean saying here? So there is no reason why we should want to take on another person or another persona or another person's plan that God has for their life. Because if I did that, then we already see we have eight talents that will be missing from the body of Christ. And while God will anoint someone else or give someone else the grace to be able to perform what I've decided not to be perform, then that would leave that would leave me at a gap. So that means I'm standing before God with the one talent that he gave me or the voice. I'm standing in front of him now with just the voice and just the uh, just the voice and just the ability. I'm sorry, with the ability to sing and the ability to write. I am now standing in front of God with the same two talents that he gave me. Because I refuse to perfect them, I refuse to um, to in, in the possible in the process of perfecting them, I multiply them. But see, I must I must first own them. I must first admit that they're mine. That He gave them to me. See, because many before us have have forfeited the persona and the plan that God has for them, all because they wanted to be known, all because they wanted to be a part of a platform. So the plan, full circle now, the plan that God had for their lives, the persona that God had for their lives got pushed aside because a person offered them a platform. So the plan that God had for their life and the persona was sitting there and the body had a gap. And God took a person, remember the five talents, that, that multiplied the five talents that he gave them. He took that person and he took that persona and that plan that he had for the person that walked away and went to the platform because they wanted to be known. He gave it to the other person because they could be trusted, because they could be trusted. Because how many of you know that people today are walking away from who God called them to be as an apostle? They're walking away from being a prophet or a prophetess. They're walking away from being the pastor, the evangelist, and the teacher. They're walking away. I don't want to be the pastor. I like being the evangelist. So they walk away from the pastorship. And then God drops it. I'm telling you, I see it today. I live it today. God drops it in the lap of another that can be trusted. And not only does that person learn it, take the time to learn it, but they multiply it. They multiply it. They multiply it. See, um, when we when we consider here the 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 truth of God's word, we must understand that that word also and that plan that he has for our life, it solidifies our identity. When we take on the identity of another, this is when we're that person with the one talent. We didn't multiply anything. God doesn't take it back. Gifts and callings are without repentance. Remember that. So you don't want to be the pastor. You're still that, but you rather be uh, the, the apostle. Okay. So you're going to stand in front of God with your half baked apostleship, but the gift that he gave you, you still want to only have one talent. That is God saying to you, like he says in scripture, wicked and lazy, you wicked and you're lazy because you refuse to suffer your portion. You'd rather take the portion that has the light shined on it, or you'd rather take the easier path. You'd rather take the easier path. We must own what God has called us to be. It is a not it is not about name recognition 
who God calls to the word of God or the talents that you multiply, who God calls to them is who God calls to them. Who, who, that's who he chooses to, to uh, for their eyes to be open to see you, for their ears to be open to hear you. That's whom God chooses. It is not up to us to walk away for the sake of our name being known. We're better off as Jesus when he said, thank you that no one knows who I am. Thank you, God, that no one knows who you are but me. Only people that know are the people that you chose to show me to, the people you chose to give a revelation of me to. So you don't have to, uh, you don't have to uh, fight for a place or a position in God because God already has a place and he already has a position for you. You just have to accept it. You just have to walk in it. You cannot allow the enemy to seduce you away from who God called you to be, all for the sake of, I want to be known, all for the sake of, I want, I want to be, I want to be, uh, I want my name in lights. I want the platform. We have to own who God has called us to be. Now, should you agree with God and work with God, your life, your, your plight will likely look like, uh, some of those um, who God has previously used, but it's still going to be unique to whom he's called you to be. It's still going to be specifically related to you. Um, we want to be clear that um, in verse 15, and I'm going all the way back to the beginning now, where God, where Jesus says to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jana, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father, which is in heaven. So here's the thing, and this one might hurt a little bit. Don't be so concerned. And this is where we get twisted up a lot. We're more concerned with what the people who don't know us think of us and who they know us to be than we are with the people that follow us, our disciples, who they say we are. We will throw away, leaders, I'm talking to you, you will throw away the plan of God for your life. You will throw away the persona, persona that God has birthed you with for your life that works with the plan that he has for your life, all to get those who don't know you, don't walk with you to know you and walk with you. But the people, your disciples, your followers, those that love you, you discount who they say you are. You discount who they call you. You discount that for the sake of those that don't know you. We have to be very careful because that is a trick of the enemy to lure you away from the plan of God for your life. So how many of us are leaders? I know you can identify with this. You've had strangers walk up to you and, and you're, a, you're a pastor and they're like, oh no, you're an apostle because I see it all over you and you just run for it. In the meantime, your flock is, is confused and they don't know how to walk with you as an apostle because they've walked with you as a pastor, your calling, but you ran off at the first say-so because you wanted your name to be known. There's the, there's the, there's the, uh, there's the teacher who runs off when at the first revelation, somebody says, you're a prophetess, you run off to be the prophetess but there's still a people that God has called to your teaching voice that you have left a gap in the body of Christ. Keep in mind, the body of Christ is bigger than our local churches. You've left a gap in the body of Christ because you won't walk in whom God called you to be. 
You won't walk in. It's not enough for you that people come to your teachings and, and sit and listen and learn. That's not enough for you. You want more people. You want a bigger audience. You want people to know your name. And Jesus is telling us again here, thank you, God. Thank you that no one knows my name unless it's by revelation. Listen, when I look over the the um, the um, the numbers and everything for this podcast, I see because uh, Podbean will tell me where listeners are coming from throughout all the avenues that the podcast is posted. I see well over 3000 listeners that are listening unto the sound of my voice right now. And so. Yes, that's that's who was that's who's drawn to the message that God has given me. So there may be 25,000 drawn to your voice. It is not for me to allow you to pull me out of where God has me for the sake of people knowing my name. I'm supposed to stay where God aligns me and God will make room for me where God wants me to be. Can we get that today? God will make room for you where he wants you to be. It is God who gives the revelation to people to hear what he's saying through you. It is not up to you to go and buy the lumber and buy the nails and buy the hammer and get the crew and build your own platform. Build your own way forward. Nor is it up to you to take on a completely different persona for the sake of having your name known. We must agree with God. We must align to the plan that God has for our lives. And we must not allow ourselves to be so easily swayed away, seduced away because we want to be known. We have to be clear on who God called us to be. And for those that are aren't clear on who God called you to be, can we get you to walk in it? Can we get you to own it? Can we get you to own that apostleship? Can you own that uh, prophet? Prophet Tess or prophet or prophet, can you own that pastorship? Can you own the evangelist, the teacher? Can you own? who God has called you to be. Can we study to show ourselves approved? Let's not take back to God, no matter what God has called us to be, no matter what gift God has given us, let's not bury it. Because see the body, we see the state of the body of Christ and the body of Christ is lacking. It has a gap because everyone wants to be something else. The prophets don't want to tell you to the truth because they rather tell you about the new house and a new car. The apostles don't want to go dig out new territory too hard, don't have time. You know, the pastors don't want to be bothered with the people coming into the churches, not understanding that they're coming in sick and you're supposed to heal them. We don't want to be bothered with that. The teacher doesn't want to be bothered with the people that doesn't know. We're not making sense. The, the administrator doesn't want to be bothered with the disorganization. Ain't that why you're there? We don't, we don't want to be bothered with what God has. It's too hard. There are too many unknowns. It's easier for me to, to be Peter because I, it's, it makes it okay that I have a flippity mouth and it, it'll make it okay that, that I, I can sometimes go back and forth on my word. It's a little easier to be Peter. Come on, we got to, we got to finally make a decision. You know, I'm going to come back to this. We have to finally make a choice. We have to finally make a choice. And that's in everything. Not only who God calls us to be, but in his promises. We have to make a choice in the promises of God. Are we going to accept them or are we not? Are we, are we, are we healed or are we sick? Are we well or are we not? Or can we, can we speak? Can we articulate what we believe in God? Can we tell someone else? At the, at the very least, we all should be witnesses. We ought to be able to tell other people what God has at least done in our lives. How he said, are we a deliverer or are we not? 
Are we going to, are we just going to, are we just going to let the world just uh, sway us like the wind in any direction it pleases? Or are we going to stand firm on the word of God? So decide today what, decide today if you're going to accept who God says you are. That's your decision. Decide today if you're going to accept who God says you are. And if you're going to accept it, then prove it. Study to show yourselves approved. Prove it. Prove it. Everything you say and everything you do should prove it, should prove God did call me to this. God did uh, call my name when he said pastor. He did call my name when he said evangelist. He did call my name when he said apostle prophet. He did call my name amongst the administrative gifts. He did call my name for this, that, or the other and own it and prove it. We're sitting back just for the sake of having someone to blame and blaming our leaders for what we are not when we are not those things because we chose not to be those things. We chose not to be who God has called me. Listen, there's a little thing that I always say to my daughter. I say, eventually, you're going to have to decide what kind of person you want to be. And once you decide the kind of person you want to be, once you decide that, once you make that decision, then what's going to happen is every decision you make, everything you do is going to align with the decision of who you decided you want to be. So I say the same thing to you that are under the sound of my voice. You must decide whether or not you're going to be what God called you to be. Because once you decide, say you decide to be what God called you to be, that everything you do and everything you say is going to align with being who God called you to be. Now, there is no in-between. So if you decide, I don't want to be what God called me to be, then guess what? Everything you do or everything you say is going to align with who you say you are. God's not taking back the talent. So that means whatever he gave you, you will answer for that when you stand in front of him. You will answer for why you only have one talent. Wicked and lazy servant. You will answer for that. You will answer for why you forsook the uh, why you did not investigate or invest invest into what God gave you. You're going to answer for why it's, it's not why that one isn't at least two. You're going to answer for that. You're going to answer that. And these are decisions. These are things that happen by our choice. By our choice. God is not dragging us. Understand that. He's not dragging us. He's not winking anymore. He's not dragging us. He's like, you need to tell me what your decision is. What you? What are you going to do? Because if you're not going to do it, I got so-and-so over here. Yeah, I know I already gave them 18 talents. I'll just give them eight more. And like I said, I only gave you that example off of two talents. There's many more in me. There's many more in you. There's a lot. There's a lot in us that we have not tapped into. Like I said, all for the sake of we don't like to be bothered. I don't, I can't, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a very good administrator if I got annoyed every time this or I was faced with this organization, because that is my thing. That is why I am here to bring order. That's what I do. So I can't, I can't, you wouldn't need me if there were order all the time. You wouldn't need a prophetess to come if you were, if you were walking worthy of the vocation that you were coming. You wouldn't need an apostle to go, I mean, a, a prophetess to go to the left, move over. You are way over here, get over here and where you're supposed to be. You wouldn't, you wouldn't need that if you were doing that. That's these are, listen, the, the things that we, the things that, the things that, uh, bother us the most are actually the things that are our callings. I don't like, I don't like disorder. I don't like disorganization. I'm the person I say it all the time. You drop me in the middle of chaos. When I walk out, it's going to be calm. There will be peace because I don't tolerate it no other way. There will be peace. And if you fight me on that, then I'll leave you to your chaos. And then you can just be in chaos. I'll go find somebody who wants peace. I'll go find somebody who wants organization. That's what I'll do. I'll go find, because there's somebody out here that wants it. It's the same thing with God's word. He, he is pointing us and putting us in front of people that need what we have to offer them, but we won't walk in it. So then there's a gap. So then there's a gap. 
There's a gap in the body of Christ because we don't want to walk worthy where God has called us and what he has called us and who he's called us to be. And God is saying, you tell me what you're going to do because I'm about to move some things around. And if you don't want that, if you want to be the wicked and the lazy servant and you don't want to multiply, you don't want to do what I gave you to do, don't worry. I give it to the person that had five and made that 10. I'll give it to them because I'm not going to fight with you no more. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tarry with you forever, right? I'm not going to tarry with you forever. So make a decision today. Let's be who God called us to be or not. Just make a decision. I can respect your decision. I promise you. We all, we can all respect one another's decisions. But we need to know what those decisions are. They can't be on today and off tomorrow. They can't be in today and out tomorrow. We have to make that decision, that constant decision, that decision that that guides our whole life, that guides who we are, and that guides what we do. That's all I have for you today. That's all I have for you today. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about no one knows my name. And we were in Luke 10. And we were in Matthew and we gave some examples and I hope those examples helped you to understand what God is requiring out of us. And it's not going to be easy. I don't, I don't even want to, I don't even want to try and make light of it. It's not going to be easy. It's hard work. It's work doing the will of God. It's a lot of learning. You're going to be in some places where you are not the most intelligent person in the room. That's a good place to be. You're going to be in some places where you don't know anyone in the room. That's a good place to be because we ought to always, always be perfecting who God says that we are and can be. Amen. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much today. I thank you for life, health, and strength. I thank you for peace. And I thank you for uh for keeping us, God. I thank you, God, for keeping us until we can come to an understanding of what you are asking of us. Until we can have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Until we can have a revelation of what he suffered so that we can have salvation. I thank you, God, for everything, God, that you're doing in us and that you're doing through us. I thank you for your patience. I even thank you, God, when you decide not to tarry with us any longer. I thank you when you even decide that we must make a decision and you call us on the carpet. I thank you, God, for doing that because some of us would never make a decision if you didn't call us on the carpet. Some of us would never make a decision if you didn't hold us to the fire. And I thank you, God, today for holding our feet to the fire and causing us to open our eyes. And I thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding because we need to know the hope of our calling that is in you. I thank you, God, for your promises that they're yes and amen. I thank you that there's no in-between. I thank you, God, that you say yes, but we say amen. So we choose to say amen. We choose to agree with you today. We choose to agree with your word. We choose to agree with who you say we are. We choose to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you have called us, not that we've called ourselves. We put aside everything that we picked up along the way throughout this journey that would make it our, or make our calling uh, another's. We want to walk in our calling. So we put aside everything that we've picked up and we stand here empty handed for you to fill us again. Fill our mind and fill our hearts. Fill our understanding. And we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me on this evening. And I shall see you again on next Monday. And until then, you know, the usual, don't let go. Don't let go. Just like I saw you today, I want to see you next week. No matter what comes, don't let go. If you're going to walk in what God called you to do, it's going to be difficult, but don't let go. God won't let go if you don't let go, okay? He won't let go if you don't let go. So hold to his unchanging hand. Everyone have a good evening.
I said this. 